It's a joy to be with you all, and it's good to see uh, some folks that I've seen before, and it seems like we're all older than we were the last time. <laughs> and uh, someone accused me of uh, marrying a woman 20 years younger than I am, and it's only because she looks 20 years younger than I do, so I've been trying to look younger so that the age gap isn't quite as bad. Anyway, this morning, I'd like to speak to you about our faith and in the idea of a faith response. If you have your Bibles in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, we see a lot of the scripture that's not really what we would call good news, but the good news is how to, how to get salvation from, for a whole bunch of sinners like ourselves. I don't know if you ever have seen yourself as a wretched sinner, but once upon a time I did. And once I realized how wretched I was, at least at the time I thought I was, I knew how wretched I was, but the longer I'm saved, I realize what a wretched sinner God saved when he saved me. You realize just how holy God is and how unholy we are. And so uh, we're living in... Uh, tough times. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, we'll just look at that. Uh, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, we'll look later at uh, whole cities being burned down and people being kidnapped. And I, I thought to myself, wow, I hope it, there never comes a time in the United States where people will, will burn somebody's house down and kidnap uh, the children out of it and so forth. And maybe the houses aren't being burned down, but the children are being kidnapped, sold and right, right out from their, their parents and so forth. But the Bible says here, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. It's all, always good to take a look at that word perilous because we don't use it every day. So we don't know the strength of the word until we actually define it and find out that the word perilous means hard to take, hard to take times hard to bear. And just knowing that this is a congregation of people, you have situations in your life that are hard to bear. Right now, or during this last year, or during the last few months, who knows when they were, but because of what my wife and I have had to go through, times that were hard to bear, we realize that there's no temptation, there's no trial, there's no situation in life that you're going through, but such as is common to man. I remember when my, my dad died when I was 13, and uh, I, I really had a, a hard time with God. Because we'd just gone to church long enough to know that, that God is a loving God, and I wasn't saved at age 13. And so I was not able to understand why a loving God would take your father out of the picture. It, it just didn't make sense to me. But you're all going through times that are hard to bear. And there's a song that goes, Troublesome times are here. And that's another definition for the word perilous. They're troublesome. They're troubling times. You don't, have, you don't have to listen to very much cable news on whatever network it is to find out that things are not going well. In fact, things are spiraling down. And the older you are, uh, the, the big, big change that happened from the time you were growing up to the time where we are right now. And you probably are asking yourself, how can things get any worse? And I have bad news for you. They can get worse. Yes, sir. 
and there probably are going to get worse. But this know also, the last day's perilous times shall come. They're dangerous times. They're harsh times. We've been pretty, pretty much living in cushy America for a long time. And some of that cushiness is starting to wear out. And we're getting a little bit harsher times. People will hit the streets and they, they're the next definition of perilous. Fierce. They're fierce. They're savage. They're coming into cities and just taking over the cities and, and just doing things that we would say, how in the world can, can this be happening in the United States? Anybody ever notice that? I mean, it's like these are the times we're, we're in. But as far as the spiritual times are concerned, the same thing is true. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus is speaking and he says this, These things I have spoken unto you, that, it's a purpose statement, that in me, key words, in me, you might have peace. I have news for you. There's no peace outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're just kidding yourself. If you think, well, I can do this and I can feel like I'm at peace. The Bible says, in me, Jesus said, you might have peace. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. You normally don't say, uh, congratulations, everybody. Today, we might have some tribulation. But when you look at the scripture, it doesn't say you might have tribulation. It says, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. That means it's indicative. It's going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet in your life, it's going to happen. But then we have this other statement, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. And that's my hope and that's your hope if you're a saved person. And the song was talking about having hope. Without Christ, there is no hope. There's no hope. Well, unless you're just one of those, well, I hope things are going to get better. But they're not. How many would agree perilous times have arrived? They're here. And we can either respond with doubt or we can respond with faith. We can respond with faith or we can respond in a way that a lot of people are, responding in fear. Fearful of things that are going on. Fearful of things that are coming. The Bible says men's hearts are going to be failing them for fear of those things that are coming. And it's happening in our nation. So uh, why should we respond with faith? You say, well, it's a whole lot better than any of the others. Well, there's lots of, of different reasons for saying that. It's a whole lot better than responding by fear. What that, what's that going to get for you? But if we respond with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the same Savior that saved us, we can trust Him all along the way. There are lots of things my wife and I have been praying for lately, and I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to tell your pastor later on. But it was like we were praying for a certain thing to happen, and uh, it costs money. Have you noticed that a lot of things that you'd like to have happen cost money? And so what happened was somebody talked to us and we, we had a potential need. Lord, if this is something that's a potential need and not just a potential want, would you supply it? So we ended up talking to somebody that was a member of our church 20 years ago. And they said... Uh, that this is the amount that you said that you, that you think you need? And I said, that's it. And he said, my wife and I decided we'd like to pay for half of that. Just by ourselves. And so we're talking, if I just said, it's a lot of money. We re, he responded, I responded by faith instead of saying, well, I, I don't think this is ever going to happen. Why would God do this? 
but he did. Now, there are situations that are in your life, you're going to respond. You will respond, because we all do. But it will either be by faith or doubt. So there are three reasons I would like us to look at for why we should respond with faith. Respond with faith. First of all, because faith, the faith response to the situations uh, identifies you and identifies all of us as peculiar people. Have you noticed? A lot of people are not responding to what's going on in faith. We say this, some people are responding like chickens with their heads cut off. They're just running around going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What's going to go? What's going to happen? Uh, the world's going to end. Uh, it, and it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily determined by who's the president, who gets elected to whatever. We're just having a slow fall until the Lord comes back, sets up a kingdom that's lawful. I'm just going to leave it right there because some of you are thinking on. 1 Samuel chapter 30 is where I'd like us to look at this first point of faith. A faith response identifies us as peculiar people. You're familiar with the idea that uh, David, before he became the king, was on the run because King Saul was chasing him all over the countryside, literally. And so... He decided to cast in his lot for a while with the Philistines. And by the way, uh, the king-to-be had a thought in his mind. He never did kill King Saul, although it was in his power to kill him several times. And so people say, what in the world happened to David? Here he is, he's, he's casting his lot in with the Philistines, and they're getting ready to fight against King Saul. Why in the world would he do that? Well, I, my opinion is, and because it's my opinion, I could be wrong. I believe he thought, man, once we get into the thick of the battle, we're just going to mop up on these Philistines so I can prove once and for all to King Saul, I'm not your enemy. But that's just my opinion. So here he is. He goes in with the Philistines. The Philistines, we don't want you fighting with us against, against King Saul. King Saul, they said, has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Why do we want you fighting with us? You're going to turn around in battle and, and start fighting against us. So they head back to Ziklag. And what's the situation back at Ziklag, everybody? It's been burned. The city's been burned, and the people have been taken captive. Children, wives, possessions. So in 1 Samuel chapter 30, we see a response here it is, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. Why? For the people spake of stoning him. Why? Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Stop a moment. Was that justifiable? I want you to think about what you would do. How would you feel if you were the ones that came back and found out, Wait a minute. Every man is grieving for his sons and for his daughters. They've been taken captive. What would your response be? The vast majority of their response was deep, deep grief. And by the way, you may be experiencing justifiable grief. 
they say there's no greater loss than a spouse. Losing your spouse. It's the the only institution that God instituted to be one flesh. The only one. And when a spouse dies, there's a time of grief. And it's justifiable. But what do you do after that? Do you do like an unsaved boy did and blame God for taking your father when he died? Or blame God for taking your spouse? Or blame God for taking a son or a daughter? So there's a response. But then the rest of the verse says this. And I'm glad, I'm encouraged that I can tell you this. But David encouraged himself. Because of his great talents, his great abilities, his great strength, his past victories. Is that what the Bible says? No. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And it depends on who your Lord is and who your God is, whether or not you're going to be encouraged. When you're you're encouraged because there is an omniscient, omnipotent God that's the only one who can take care of your problem. And he is. We sometimes seek after help and counsel from all sorts of people, but God's the only one who's going to be able to take care of the problem, the situation that you're perhaps facing today in life. And so David identified himself as one who is not going to, and catch this word, he's not going to allow the circumstance, the circumstance to defeat him. He's not going to allow the circumstance to defeat him. He's not going to allow the circumstance to change him. He's not going to use the circumstance as an excuse for wrong behavior, making the wrong decision. The Apostle Paul, after he stated all of the things that he had gone through, shipwrecked, stoned to death, and being whipped, 40 stripes save one, three times, all sorts of stuff, in the deep, a day and a night, all these things. And uh, then he said, but none of these things move me. What he, what he was saying was that word move me, it does not make me do something. All of these things that have happened don't make me do something. Well, preacher, well, if you knew all the things that happened in my life, well, you would know why I made that decision. Yes, I would. Because you did not respond by faith. You say, well, well you don't know. It's not that easy. I'm not saying it's it's. It's easy. I'm just saying that the faith response, you and I are going to find out during our lives that the faith response is always the right response. It's always the right response. And so David wanted victory in the circumstance and all the way through the circumstance. And as God's people, you've already gone through a lot of circumstances in your life. And I want you to think, um, how many of those did I respond in faith? How many of them? And it's good for us as God's people to just say, you know, this idea of responding by faith is something that needs to be 
an everyday, every week part of our Christian life, our Christian walk. So God knows what you are going through. I did not have an opportunity to talk with your pastor and say, are there any special difficulties uh, in the church? Because I have learned there are special difficulties in every church. Every church. Brother Martin's been everywhere. And he can tell you, every church has circumstances and difficult situations that they're dealing with. And some of them are dealing with it by faith. And some of them are dealing with it by doubt and fear and so forth. So it's a good thing to ask ourselves the question, how are, how are we responding? How are we responding to the perilous times that we find in our lives? And everyone is going to, to have them. God wants you to have the right response. And God wants to hear you say that you are willing to trust him. And by the way, we sometimes hear that statement. God, God wants to hear you say that you are willing to trust him. But it becomes a, a trite saying, a, what we used to call hackneyed saying. Just say it over and over again. And it loses its potency. But it also loses its reality in our minds. Do we really believe that God wants to hear us say that we're willing to trust him? See, if there's any doubt in your mind, God doesn't want you to say, I doubt you. You took my father when I was 13, and I'm kind of wondering whether I can trust you or not. Once I got saved, the Lord took that all away, and I realized, does everyone really believe that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose? That means all the things that happened to you before you were saved are included. It's not like, okay, you get saved, and now from this point forward, all things are going to work together for good. No, God's going to take all those past things. At the point of salvation, those things all start working together for good. God's plan's not over till you take your last breath, folks. And so God's working all along. And I've said to God, God, I'm going to watch what you can do in this situation, and then, then I'm going to do what you want me to do. And you say, well, it's not that simple. And I'm telling you, yes, it is. It is that simple. And I'm, I mentioned it concerning my wife. She knows that I say, God, if anyone's going to be able to take care of this, you will be able to take care of it. And so there's an old song, why should I worry or fret? Why should I worry or fret? And we don't know why we should worry or fret, but we continue to worry and fret anyway. anyway instead of saying, I'm going to take this situation to the Lord. Now back to the situation with King David, who was not quite king yet. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8, the Bible says, And David inquired at the Lord. What a, what a concept. What a novelty. David inquired at the Lord. I mentioned before, we ask a lot of counselors, what should we do? And ask all of our relatives and so forth. And David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? He wasn't just assuming he was going to do what he wanted to do. Shall I overtake them? In other words, is this going to be a fruitless endeavor when I go out there? And God answered him. The Lord answered him, pursue, 
for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. How encouraging can our God be? We'll never know unless we inquire at the Lord. We'll never know what he can and will do. David could echo First uh, John chapter 5 and verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And Jesus is the one who said in Luke chapter 18 and verse 27, he said, the things which are impossible with men. In other words, the things that we think, they appear to us that they're impossible, are possible with God. And hopefully, if you're a saved person, you've lived long enough to know that that is true. My wife and I would say, how is this possible? We step down from the, the, the pastorate, and uh, I take a 90% pay reduction. How would you like to have a 90% reduction in support? No, thank you. And so, okay, well, how are we supposed to live? You know, you can barely buy anything, 90% reduction in pay. So the Lord gave us a, a, a new apartment, and uh, some people said, uh, we, we built this just for you while, when she said you were getting ready to, to, to step down. And so my wife and I just want you to, to live here rent-free and uh, utilities-free, and uh, nowadays it's really important, internet-free. But I'm still, I'm still bitter. He said I still have to pay for my phone. No, you can see what I'm talking What a reduction. Oh, okay. God says, you got a reduction in pay? I'll take care of that. You say, well, did you know that in advance? No, I did not. It was by faith. Okay, this is what we'll do. This is what God wants. And if God's not able to take care of it, ain't nobody going to be able to take care of it. So we trust in him. The people of God are not supposed to be blown away by the adversities and the circumstances when we know that if we ask God, God is very capable of blowing away the adversity or the circumstance. But if it is not his will to blow away the adversity, we pray for wisdom, just like David prayed, to determine the correct course of action. We have a biblical example of how we respond. And did you notice it identified David as a peculiar person? Everybody else said, let's stone him to death. He's the only one who had the faith response and encouraged himself in the Lord. Are you willing to do that? Because like Job, we can actually say in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So keeping that in mind, not only does a faith response identify us as a peculiar people, but secondly, a faith response definitely separates us from those who are continually defeated. And so we... We don't have to separate ourselves from the defeated. Have you noticed what happens? They'll separate themselves from us. And strangely enough, many times, the circumstance that's happening is so small compared to what our Christian brothers 
of yesteryear had to deal with. You probably are aware of the 12 spies that went out to check out Canaan land. And they came back, and uh, Joshua and Caleb said what? Let's do it. Let's get busy. But Numbers chapter 13 and verse 31 tells us, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. If you ever read the book, it's a good one. When people are big and God is small. We can, he could have just taken the, the, the title from Numbers chapter 13. The people are bigger than us. We can't beat up on them. Those who run from adversity sense their own weakness. But don't realize that no one can handle the circumstance in their own strength anyway. We as Christians ought to know by now, we are weak. We can't do anything in the strength of the flesh. It's just not going to work that way. And so in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We read the scripture, Ephesians 6 verse 10. All right, I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, how are we going to figure out how to do this? How are we going to get this? Let's, let's make some plans. Let's get this all done. And let's, wait, wait a minute. If I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, let's inquire of the Lord. Then write everything out. Then let everybody take a look at it and say, hey, this, this seems like it's of the Lord. Have you ever done that? You sure have. You've probably done it here in the church for sure. So in whom are we placing our hope and trust in the circumstances of life? Now, this isn't a cheerleading section. This is a matter of, hey, here's what the Bible says. So 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1 Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is, anybody know the last two words? Our hope, which is our hope. One reason our hope is in Christ is although, and you know this, you are no match for your circumstance. But you could, if you've been saved for any length of time, you know the rest of that sentence. Your circumstance is no match for your Lord. That's why it's so important to say, in whom are we placing our hope and trust? Because Christ is our hope and our trust. So when we look at this, the defeated are separated from those who have a faith response. So we can just take a time out and say, which group are you in? Are you with Joshua and Caleb? Or are you with the other ten spies? who say, it's hopeless, we, we be not able to go up against the people, and because of their lack of faith, they were indeed not able to go up against the people. They weren't going to go in the power of God, and so when they tried to go up in their own power, they were defeated in battle. Then last, a faith response, and this is, this is probably the the take this home, if you don't take anything else home. What else does our response to adversity do? A faith response changes our future and those who follow us. 
Somebody says, oh, what's the big deal about this or what's the big deal about this? What's the big deal about taking the Ten Commandments out of school? What's the big deal about taking uh, Bible reading and prayer out of the school? That happened when I was going to school. I was in high school when that happened, in the 60s. And so that happened. I, I left one school that was having Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, read the Bible, and pray, and we moved to another state. And there was no Bible reading, there was no prayer, there was no Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And I said, what happened here? Then I moved back to the state that we moved from to begin with, and that state wasn't having any prayer. And, well, well, what difference did it make? Look around. Look around. And so the faith response changes our future and those who follow us. You've heard it said that you are either leaving a blessing or a curse for your children and your grandchildren. And you are. But you're also leaving a blessing or a curse for those over whom you have an influence. This isn't the first time you've heard that. It's not the first time. Hopefully it won't be the last. But, but you have an influence over people that you don't even know. People who know that you go to this church and they see you out, out and about. Satan makes sure that they see you at your worst point. Have you noticed that? Somebody cuts you off. Somebody's driving beside you, just happens to be a member of the church, and they see your response. Usually it's not, Lord bless them. May the blessing of the Lord be upon thee. It's usually not that. We, we, we have wrong responses. But your example is either encouraging others to higher spiritual ground or discouraging them to potential compromise and ruin. And that's exactly what happened when we remember the curse that came because of these ten spies who responded in doubt instead of in faith. In Numbers 32 and verse 9, the description is being given, for when they went up unto the valley of Eshcol, and they brought these grapes back and all this other stuff, and they saw the land, what did those ten spies do? They discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. They discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. If you ever get heart sick about something, it's debilitating. And that's exactly what happened. So it continues. They discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. This is yours. Go in and possess it. Possess it. Verse 10 says, And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time. And he swears, saying, Surely, are you ready? None of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob. Why? Because they have not wholly followed me. Well, it will take a lot of faith. I don't know about you, but I, I hope we're not as knuckleheaded as the nation of Israel was. How, how did they get across the Red Sea, everybody? They walked across on dry ground. How many of you have ever told yourself this? 
If I had walked across on dry ground from the, through the Red Sea, I would have believed the Lord. I, I know that I would. And you would say it in your best Elizabethan accent. I, I would believe. But we do the same things. We're just a little more dignified now. Well, if I, if I could just walk, walk across on dry ground, my faith would become sight. And yet, your response in every area of life affects others. We who name the name of Christ need to realize there are a lot of lost people in this world that are wondering whether your God can do anything for them at all. You know, they're kind of hesitant in that church. Hopefully it doesn't happen this way. They, they don't trust God too much and so forth. I'm, I'm wondering if this God that they're not trusting is really capable of saving their soul if he can't take care of this picky-uni stuff that they're arguing about. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 has a promise and a warning. Moses said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And part of this choosing life was choosing to follow God by faith. But did you notice that it, it says that both thou and thy seed may live? I think if we really start considering that our children and our grandchildren are at stake here, we sometimes get more concerned about leaving the national debt to our children and our grandchildren than realizing that we have a legacy and a testimony that we are leaving them, whether it be good or whether it's evil. Abraham, of course, was trustworthy. God told him in Genesis 18, 19, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they, in other words, all of them, they all shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So here we are on, must be June 11th by now, 2023. And we're, we're this is the first day of a new week. The older you get, you're just thankful that you made it to the next first day of the, the new week. But, but we, we have a potential faith response coming this week. And the first one's right now. Whether you're actually going to say to God, God, I, I want to let you know again or maybe for the first time, this week I really do want to respond by faith to the circumstances that will come my way. And oh, by the way, Lord, the circumstance that I'm dealing with now that maybe I've been dealing with for quite a long time, I'm going to trust you in that too. I'm going to have a faith response. And for those of you who, who may not know the, the so great salvation that is in Christ, it is capable of changing a person's entire life. The salvation that's in Christ Jesus can take care of all of your sins up to this point and all the sins that you will ever commit the rest of your life, he is able, 
he is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all the wrong things that you've ever done and all the wrong things that you'll ever do. He's willing to do that. But you have to have a change of mind about your sin. When people say, why is it, Brother Schaefer, that, that a lot of people don't get saved? I, I just don't understand. Usually they've forgotten what it was like. People love sin. I loved sin. That's why I sinned. It was, the, it was the only option we had growing up in the projects. It was like there's either sin to do or what are you going to do? Go to church and I'll just toss it in. The people came in and said, uh, we, we can come by and pick you up for church. And then they didn't come by and pick us up for church. And we said, well, why in the world is that? Why in the world didn't they do that? Well, it was because somebody got shot in the projects and they were afraid to come in to pick us up for church. Well, what kind of a God wouldn't do through all of that? God does whatever is necessary to get our attention. And some things, well, it would have been easier to do it this way. God had a purpose in it all. And the bad things that are happening in your life, if you're not a safe person, it's to get your attention. It's to get your attention. So you can realize salvation in Christ Jesus is not something that, that you can earn. The Bible tells us it's a free gift from God. And the Bible tells us in Romans 2 and verse 4 that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Well, you don't understand what's happened in my life. It's not so good. Well, it wasn't good for me either. But I realized later on, I was breathing God's air. I was eating God's food. I was drinking God's water. God was giving me life so that I could get to a point where I could say, Jesus Christ is worth trusting for my salvation. And the same Jesus Christ that saved me in 1964 as a 16-year-old boy, young man, is still in the saving business today. And so the, the faith response for you if you're not saved is to be willing to trust Christ. For all of us who are saved, the faith response is in relation to the circumstances you're going through right now. Financial, physical, everything. What is it that is outside of the range of God's power <laughs> that he can't help us with? And with, with every temptation and trial and situation in life that comes, according to what we read in the scripture, he always along with the temptation, along with the trial, along with the situation. He gives us a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. That's what the Bible says. And right now, if you're going through some tough situations, you're doubting that passage of Scripture. You're doubting that passage of Scripture. Well, I don't think he, he makes a way of escape. Well, pastor said in his class, and he was spot on, whenever the Bible says something, and you say something contrary to the Bible, the Bible's always right, and you're always wrong. So we as Christians need to say, am I going to have a faith response trusting in God and his word? Or am I basically saying, I don't trust God's word anymore? Well, if that's so, and the Lord spoke to your heart, that can change to a faith response. Let's bow for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that as we come to a response time, 
that first of all, your people, the saved who are here, would be willing to respond in the affirmative. I'm, I'm going to respond by faith in the situation I'm in or the situation I've been going through or the situations that I will go through in the future. God being my helper, I will respond by faith. I ask it in Jesus' name. Would you all stand quietly to your feet as the piano is quietly playing? And the altar's open. There's space where you're standing for you to respond to the Lord right now. If you're able to stand, stand. If you're not, we are not able. We understand that. But there's something, there's a response that's being demanded by the Holy Spirit of God who lives within you right now. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit prompts you. What was just said was true or what was just said was false. If what was said was true, are you going to respond by faith or are you going to continually respond by doubt and fear and frustration with the circumstances of life? Christian, God can help you do better. Are you willing to trust him? requires a faith response. Maybe you're going through a trial, a tribulation, a difficulty that no one else can see. It'd be a good thing for you today to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to trust you with this. As Brother John sings, won't you come? of salvation we're born lost no one here is born saved everybody's born on the wrong side you got to get saved by the grace of God 
If you've never come to that point of salvation, just as the chorus said, come home. The Lord's calling from the portals of glory. Come home. Have faith in the Lord. If you're lost today, this invitation verse is for you. And if you're saved today, you could be going through something that requires a faith response in you. And you know in your heart if you're dealing with doubt and fear, and you're not trusting in the Lord. Won't you use this invitation for what it's, what it's here for? Respond to the Lord as we sing verse number two. by being challenged by these things. I wrote down the points. Faith identifies you as a peculiar people. Faith separates us from those who are continually defeated. Faith, a faith response, changes our future and those who follow us. And may God give you some things to meditate upon this afternoon. You pray for the Schaefers as they travel to, to Springfield, Missouri, and then on to Detroit, Michigan this week, uh, that God will bless their travels and help them. Please go by the table in the back. He's recorded a CD, and uh, the, a couple of the songs that we sang this morning are on the CD, and uh, we hope and pray that will be a blessing to you. I believe in filling your life with God's music. And, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know my routine, especially on Sundays, I've got that little speaker that I used to bring up here. Now that we got our sound system going, don't need to use it, but I blast that speaker on Sunday mornings. And this morning I had Brother Schaefer singing because we were harmonizing together as I got ready for church. And uh, it's good to think about the glorious love of the Lord and have music playing. Music is uh, something God can use to soothe our hearts and certainly prepare our hearts to receive a message from the Lord. I pray that God's blessed you today. Don't forget to see him at the table. I'm going to ask Brother Schaefer and Miss Schaefer, who, by the way, this year is their 50th wedding anniversary. What do we got to say about that? When you make it to 50, you deserve a good round of applause. Amen. We're thankful for that. So go ahead and stand by your table in the back, brother, and please see them on the way back and avail yourself to the music. Uh, don't forget, tonight we have service that begins at 6 o'clock. We have choir practice at? 445. 445 choir practice. And uh, make sure that you're there for that. We're going to go to the Lord in a word of uh, dismissal prayer. Brother Drew, I'm going to call on you to dismiss the service in prayer, please. Yeah, as you've given us another chance to do what you would have us to do and be what you would have us to do. Lord, we thank you for your bread that we receive this morning. 
without you, Lord, we could do nothing without your word. Oh, we can do things that we think might be right, but no, they're not. But with you, we can do all things through Christ. Let's strengthen us, us, Lord. We ask you to stay with us, stay with our hearts and our minds. Go with us, Lord. As we go to our appointed places and, and, and come back at the appointed time to do your will and to give you all the praise and all the glory. And we thank you again, Lord, for all things. Amen.